So my friends, today, um, in our first reading, we hear about uh, the prophet Elijah on the mountain of Horeb, uh, which is this scene, is the foundation upon which the great Carmelite order in the church, of which uh, little Therese, St. Therese of Lisieux, um, was a member, St. Therese of Avila, St. John of the Cross, the great Carmelite order. Um, Elijah's encounter here with the Lord is... Uh, prefigurement of the contemplative life in the life of the church. That Elijah goes on a 40-day journey, actually. We don't even get that in this um, reading. We pick up right after he finishes the 40-day walk. But he goes on a 40-day journey into the desert, away from all the chaos and the turmoil that's going on. Um, right before this, there's the challenge of the, against the prophets of Baal, and the queen of Israel wants to kill him. And there's a lot of stuff going on. And so he walks 40 days into the desert, goes up the mountain of Horeb, takes shelter in the cave. And the Lord says, go outside, stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord will be passing away. That, and that in the midst of Elijah being on this mountain, you got the strong crushing wind, um, you got the earthquake, you got the fire, and the Lord isn't in any of those. But then it's ultimately in a tiny whispering sound. And that God is, so, uh, is in uh, the silence, to find God in silence. And so the contemplative life in the life of the church, the monastic life, that men and women um, give their lives away to follow Christ, following the pattern of Elijah. It's not just the Carmelites, any of the great monastic orders for both men and women um, where one leaves the world gets out of um, all the mess of everything that's going on and devotes themselves to a life of prayer and usually silence. Uh, in good monasteries, there's silence. Uh, there's a lot of silence. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, but it's, it's wonderful. I don't know if it's available on any streaming service or if you'd have to buy it or rent it. But um, it's called Into the Great Silence, about the Carthusians in France, in the Grand Chartreuse. Um, and... The life that the Carthusian monks live, there's actually a group of Carthusians up in Vermont. I think they're the only ones in America. Um, but they live this life of incredible silence, contemplation of the Lord, being with God in prayer, alone with God in prayer. I remember speaking to someone who is himself a very pious person, but they said, well, that seems like a waste. You got all these good people and they're just going off. And who are they helping and what are they doing? The contemplative life in the church is um, so essential. It's necessary. Uh, it'd be, I, I've been reading the novel, uh, in a novelization of the Civil War, or a, a story, the history of the Civil War by Shelby Foote. Civil War, a narrative, not a novel, a narrative. Um, and that, you know, you just get like, look, in battle, the artillery is just as, por as important as the foot soldiers. And when there was bad artillery, um, the... the foot soldiers, the infantry, uh, were left defenseless in many ways. Um, that the artillery in the spiritual life of the church is so important. These men and women who give their lives entirely to prayer. And we need many more vocations to this life, this contemplative life. Uh, men and women who will give themselves entirely to lives dedicated to prayer and to silence. They are the artillery that do so much good for us, 
Uh, I don't know if you know this. I just shared it. I think it was the first time I've shared it with anyone around here the other night. Um, there's a nun. Her name is Sister Nunchete. I don't know who she is. I don't know what she looks like. I don't know where she is. I actually don't even know if she's still alive because I know nothing about her. But on the day that I was ordained a deacon, someone had written into the Missionary Charity Sisters, and they, they do this. You have to know someone, but they do this. Um, and when the day I was ordained a deacon, uh, I received a card, a little handwritten card. said, I, Sister Nunchete, offer all my prayers and my life for you, um, soon-to-be Father Michael Casey. Uh, and that this, this little nun has been praying for me somewhere. If she's still alive, she's going to pray for me today. And if she's passed from this world, then she's, you know, God willing, praying for me, uh, seeing God face to face. Uh, so, and I think about that regularly. Like, you know, so many of the things that God has blessed me with in these last seven years, how much of that, how much of that is these totally unseen prayers of this little nun that I've never met? The contemplative life, the life of prayer in the church, to give ourselves entirely um, to being with God in silence, to interceding for the church. Uh, some of the great missionary orders have said that when you go and you want to establish a, a good, strong mission, what's the first thing you should do when you get to the mission territory? Establish a contemplative monastery. That that's it. It's just like it's the beating of a, it's a burning fire of the love of God. You just can't withstand it. It's the love of God that then, boom, centered right there, has such an incredible spiritual importance. It's not a waste for people to give their lives uh, in, this, in this life. Uh, this is conversation, a life spent praying, praying for the church. Uh, we pray in the Mass, um, it's after the Our Father. Look not on our sins but on the faith of your church, right? How much am I grateful for the faith of those little monks and nuns in the hidden silence who have given their lives away that when Jesus looks on the faith of his church, he sees their faith just as he sees my poor little faith. He sees their great faith, their great holiness. We pray that Almighty God look upon the faith of his church. The contemplative life uh, is so important in the church and we need uh, a deep appreciation for it. But it's not the only way to holiness. As important as it is, you know, sometimes when we talk about the glories of the contemplative life, which is objectively um, better, it is, we can kind of get down on everything else. Um, but it's not uh, the only life in the church. In fact, most of us are not called to the contemplative life. I'm not. I'm called to the active life. I like to go visit monasteries for a little bit of quiet sometimes. Um, but I'm called to the active life. To be here working in the middle of the world. Here's an interesting point. That when we read about Elijah. And that God is not particularly in the wind. Well when the disciples are in the boat. God actually literally is walking to them in the wind. Right? So that there is in the life of the church. That God is now in the person of Jesus Christ. God is not just found in the monasteries and on the mountaintops. He's found here, in the middle even of a storm, in the middle of even the wind and the chaos of, a, of the world, um, in the midst of the daily kind of bustle of everything we have going on, in the middle of the workday. In all of these places, God has come to meet us in those ways. As Jesus is walking actually through the waves and the wind to approach the apostles who are in the boat and being tossed about by these things.
Um, and so we are able to find Christ in the middle of the world. We who are called to the active life, um, to live in the middle of the world, we're not off the hook from needing to have a life of deep prayer and even, yes, contemplation, right? All of us, on account of our baptism, are called to have the same holiness as the monks and nuns away in the monasteries. But we're called to live it, the majority of us, here in the middle of the world. We're not off the, it's not like we have to do any less. We do it in a different place, right here. We talk to our Lord right here. We foster this contemplative spirit in the middle of the world. And so we can go and we talk to our Father God uh, while we're driving. We pray uh, while we're around. We pray for the people that we interact with. Um, We spread the gospel, but it's the fruits of our contemplation. Yesterday we celebrated St. Dominic. And the Dominicans, um, their, their motto is to contemplate and then to trade, to give to others the fruits of their contemplation. And that's what we in the active life need to do, that we contemplate our Lord in loving prayer. We speak with him, and then we give the fruits of that contemplation to others. We share it with people um, in our daily life, right in the middle of the street. St. Jose Maria Escriva, whose picture is on the back, on the Blessed Mother's side in the back, said that his cell, his monastic cell, would be uh, nella bella mezza della strada, nella bella mezza della strada, right in the beautiful middle of the street, right? That when we're called to follow our Lord in that way. And our Lord even talks to us in the middle of the chaos. As I was praying with this scripture passage last night, you know, Peter then says, like, Lord, command me to walk on the, way, on the water. Let me come out to you. And he does. Peter gets out of the boat in a storm and starts walking to our Lord. And when we're living the active life, we can do that. We can be walking on water with the Lord in the middle of the world, in the middle of the storm. But when do we get into trouble? When we start focusing, uh, not on Jesus. The key to living holiness in the middle of the world is to focus on our Lord Jesus. Peter starts focusing on the wind and the rain and the waves. He's noticing all the other stuff going on. How often does this happen in our church? That we want to focus on the problems. Let's look at the problems the church is facing. Let's look at the difficulties and the obstacles. As we're talking about our apostolate this upcoming year at the university, it's going to be a challenge without as many students being present uh, in person. But let's not focus on the obstacles. If we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, we're going to walk on the water, even in the midst of rain and wind and waves. But Peter focuses on that and he begins to sink. He cries out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught Peter. But then here's the thing that really struck me last night. Jesus says to him, oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? But they're having this conversation where, picture in your mind's eye, where they talk, where does Jesus say this? They're still standing on the water. And Peter's maybe like half sunk. I don't know what he's doing. And that's when Jesus takes the time to say, oh, you have little faith. Why do you doubt? I don't know if I was Peter, I'd be like, Let's get back in the boat, Lord, and then we'll talk about it, right? Let's get out of this. But no, Jesus wants to talk to him right there. Right now, we're going to talk about this. Right in the middle of everything going on. Because, Peter, I care about you right here. And Jesus cares about each one of us. And so when we're called to live out holiness in the midst of the world, sometimes even when there's a big waves around, our Lord talks to us right in the middle of that. You have little faith. Why are you doubting? Don't worry about it. I've got this. I've got you. I love you. Right there. 
right in the middle of what's going on. My friends, these are the two great arms of the life of the church, the active life and the contemplative life. The church needs both. We all need to live this call to holiness. And whether we're called to live it in contemplative life, which is important, and we need more men and women to answer that call, or if we're called to live it in the active life, in the beautiful middle of the street, proclaiming the gospel, living holiness, tremendous contemplative holiness, even there. We each need to follow our Lord uh, along the heights of holiness. These two aspects, active, activity and contemplation, are beautifully, beautifully summed up in Our Lady, the Blessed Virgin Mary, contemplating her son, but living that in the middle of the world. She lived probably a greater contemplation and silence um, than anyone except her son. And so she's a model for contemplative life, uh, but she's also a model for us, for active life, um, contemplating Jesus while carrying him through the streets and through the world. And so we ask our mother to pray for us uh, so we can always be focused on her son and following her example, reach tremendous heights of holiness.